Yo, what's up? Union City Horror, Paul Solo. What's up, weirdos? Got a good one for you this week. Now, for those of you who follow us on Instagram, you'll know that we've been talking a little bit about this new movie called Storage Locker. Um, that just came out on August 22nd uh, by director Ray Spivy. And we were fortunate enough to be able to sit with him during the week of release and talk with him about Storage Locker, um, which stars a Texas Chainsaw Massacre alum. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, you're going to hear it in the interview because he was uh, kind enough to bring this person on to the show. Uh, for those of you who follow us on Instagram, you already know who it is. And if you don't follow us on Instagram, then you should go over to Instagram at the end of this. Find us at Mutant City Horror, follow us, and then you'll be in the know like the rest of the cool kids. But yeah, we spent about an hour getting to know Ray, his background in the arts, and what led him to this point where he's pushing out a full-length feature, um, and then what he has coming down the pipe, and just, you know, inspirations and things like that. So hang out, learn a thing or two, enjoy, hit us up on the socials, Instagram at Mutant City Horror threads at mutant city horror or you can just email the show uh mutant city horror at gmail.com enjoy hey, hey <laughs> how's it going hey good good excellent thanks for meeting with me i know it's a little bit later here in texas right yeah we're barely awake at nine o'clock <laughs> i didn't realize that until after i booked the meeting with you and i was like mm, maybe over the weekend earlier would have been better no no i'm up till 12 or 1 and and my so drives my social media guy crazy he'll get stuff from me at all hours he goes do you ever sleep and i go not really but um so are we ready to get going yeah we'll jump right in if you're ready okay well i, I have a little surprise for you oh excellent I have a, a horror icon on the phone with me. Oh, it's, really? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, Mr. Alan Danzinger. Alan, Alan what a pleasure to meet you virtually. It's such an honor. Thank you for being here. Uh, same here as uh, I'm happy to meet anybody at this age. <laughs> you know, I was surprised because, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about Storage Locker today, but... I've been following Sean Hates and his camp, and he's just put out um, Cannibal Comedian, of which you're accredited for being the narrator. And so that was really the right. kind of the first time I'd seen your name since Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, uh, you know, I talked to him a little bit about that. We did an interview a few months back. Um, he talked about meeting you as well. And then here you are in Storage Locker, and then you got the Weed Hacker movie coming out. And I was like, what a... What an awesome surprise to see Alan kind of, you know, still in his later years, like putting himself back out there and, and getting back out onto the scene. It's really amazing to, to see that happening. Well, I owe, I owe it all to Ray. He, he pulled me back after 50 years. <laughs> well, that was going to be one of my... Go ahead, you know, I'm sorry. He, he brought me back and I even won an award for Best Supporting Actor. In there Story you go. Market. So go figure that out. It's... it's uh, <laughs> It's been a hoot, and I'm having I'm having the time of my life right now. That's fantastic. How did you guys get to know each other, you and Ray? Uh, my mom's chiropractor knew Alan and told him I was making some movies, and uh, he told me about Alan, and 
you know, geez, the last time I'd seen Alan on the screen was when the movie came out. Right. So, you know, I might have been high school or college. I can't remember. And you know, <laughs> who knew that you would get to meet this guy years later and, and much less be friends. He's just an amazing person. Right. That's fantastic. I love it. How, how are you? I know you, you see you're glad to be back out there, but how, how is it getting back into the swing of things, Alan? Actually, it's, it's been great. You know, I've done a, a number of, of uh, podcasts and uh, I've, I've been going to a bunch of uh, horror conventions. I've got one in Colorado uh, next month and, uh, and then I'll be in Niagara Falls, Canada. And then we're going to have the official 50th anniversary kickoff, I think, in February in Ontario, California. And that's going to be pretty much a reunion of all of us that are still, I guess, alive, so to speak. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. Plus, we've got this video game, a chainsaw video game coming out. And nice. uh, and, I, and I'm excited about the uh, the Weed Hacker movie that Ray's, you know, writing and going to be directing. And he's just a terrific guy, and it's a pleasure working with him. Now, this event in February in Ontario, California, is that the CreepyCon event? I think so. I think okay. so. We, we've... Uh... I've, I've attended both years. They have another event coming up uh, next month, I believe it is. Um, but they usually do their, their big thing in February. So um, it's good to know that the, you're going to be there and that's going to be happening because we usually attend. So we'd love to, you know, meet up with you and snap a pic. And yeah, you know, that'd maybe... be great because, I mean, you know, it'll be, you know, myself and uh, probably hopefully care, you know, just some of the uh, Ed Neal and uh, Bill Vale and I hope – uh, so, you know, some of the people that are in front of the in front of the camera and maybe even some that are behind the camera, like Daniel Pearl. Daniel's a terrific guy and has a lot of insight into the making of Chainsaw and, you know, st and all that kind of stuff. So it's all good having a ball. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That's going to be amazing. So um, are, are you going to are you going to stick around for the entire uh, kind of meeting here? Well, I'll just, I'll hang out for a little bit and then I've got to be somewhere. Oh, but sure. I'll just for a little while while you talk to Ray. Yeah. Awesome. Well, th thank, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure to, to have you with us. You got it, thank man. You. Yeah. So Ray, I, I want to kind of just open it up a little bit. Um, you know, this is, um, storage locker is, you know, a, a huge release for you. I would imagine. Um, I've kind of, um, taking a look at some of your work prior to this one. So I'm wondering if you could just kind of start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what kind of got you to this point. Sure. Uh, first time I got involved in film was back in 96. I am an artist and uh, Chris Guest was making a movie here in town called Waiting for Guffman. And uh, it kind of got to, it was the precursor. I think he'd done it right after Spinal Tap when he acted and did the music and everything. And nice. then, it was right before Best of Show. So Guffman's kind of a real treasure if you ever catch it. But uh, anyway, they needed a painting of the town founder because this guy had thought, wanted to go out to California, the, the settler. He stopped in Blaine, Minnesota. So I had to do a portrait of Blaine Fabin then. And so it's in the first five minutes of the movie, right at the five-minute mark. And that was just a great experience. So waited all these years and finally decided to do a couple documentaries and then took a screenwriting class and... Uh, uh, the first feature I worked on with a, a partner was called Writer's Block. It was a thriller. And uh, actually, we sold it. Couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, it was kind of <laughs> like my film school in a way. A uh, lot of lot of mistakes. 
And uh, then I did one for another guy who wrote the screenplay, but owned the film. I still haven't seen it. It was pro bono watchman. There was a lot of stuff went on the set. You probably heard stories like this, I bet. And uh, <laughs> I still haven't seen the movie, but the money I got paid for directing and producing it, I put into storage locker. So, you know, good things nice. happen out of every experience. Nice. And uh, so storage locker was just uh, probably the best time I've ever had on set. We didn't have any prima damas. Uh, uh, Alan was really uh, quite a gentleman, weren't you, Alan? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did great. You know, it's the first time he was in front of the camera and all that time. And, sure. And uh, he admitted to me later he was a little nervous, but man, he just came through like a champ. Yeah, you couldn't tell in the movie. It just like you, you know, like a fish in water, just natural. <laughs> and, and you go ahead. Great team. You, a quick question, Ray. When you did the uh, waiting for government. Was that in the in the Lockhart? No, I I just did the painting for it. That was all. But they did film it in Lockhart, and I think you did. You have some property in that. I well, I did, but I, I think it was some of it was shot at the uh, at Chuck Bryan had a studio, and he did caricatures for me when I had my business Three Ring Service, and I think they shot some scenes in his studio. So it's kind of a funny roundabout that you know there was a mutual connection yeah I, they showed you know. the caricatures i think in the end credits that's right mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you, paul have you ever seen guffman uh i haven't i saw it on your website uh, okay. or a link to you, it but you need I to check not. it out it's it's one of those great mockumentaries uh nice. of all sorts. at the yeah. end of it the hero has developed a line of uh uh of lunch boxes like my dinner with andre action figures <laughs> 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 it's great uh, so anyway, yeah, we, we got into storage locker, got affected by COVID, uh, lead actor got it, uh, had to shut down, shot it over three different periods, but uh, we got through it. But uh, again, I, I think what really helped make the movie was the, the actors were so amazing. Uh, you know, a lot of them are indie uh, film actors and, and I, I just, I just felt like they just did an amazing job. Yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was great to watch. I you know I'd seen all the promos for it on Instagram going around. It was kind of a like a quick happening for me. I just all of a sudden started seeing the promos for it, and then the next thing you know, it's out. We had planned a um, a watch party around it as well, but some of the people who were on the on the list had to um, cancel, so that kind of fell through. But we still ended up watching it on Tuesday night. You know, we bought it the whole nine, and uh, we had a good time watching it. It was well, great. great. Glad yeah. you did. So, so Alan, let me ask you, um, you know, being on the set for the first time around kind of a mixed um, age group of a cast, is there a lot of like fandom happening? Is there a lot of like nostalgia? Like, you know, what, what was it like for the other people kind of getting to meet you? Did they know you? Are they familiar with you? You know, what, what was that like? Honestly, I mean, I think they gave me a standing ovation at the end. I don't know if that was because they were, that I could get through it, you know, or or what it was. But actually, they were they were super. They were very, very congenial, and they they really enjoyed meeting me. I guess. I mean, who knew that this movie would be turn out to be an iconic movie? And uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Quinn Tarantino, referred to Chainsaw as a perfect movie. Right. You know what. When we made it, nobody thought that. So it's 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 amazing that after all these years, it's just the staying power. And every day that I meet somebody new and they find out who I am, because they see this geezer guy, and then they find out that he was the original van driver. And it's, right. It's really <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. That's awesome. So, so Ray, tell me, um, you know, I, I saw, um, a, a few of the things that you have posted on your website. Um, and, you know, some of the shorts that, and there's some links to some Vimeo videos there. Um, I think the first one I saw was process. Right. So I'm curious to know, you know, that's kind of politically based. Um, a lot of the art that you do is, um, of the Capitol building in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So, um, I'm just curious how you go from, you know, semi quasi kind of political art, if you will, over to full blown horror. Sure. Well, well, I had worked uh, quite a time at the Capitol here in Texas, and then I also worked for the teacher retirement system, kind of protecting their pension fund fund from being taken by the legislature. So, uh, so you kind of learn a lot about war and tactics on that, which come in handy on a movie set. Um, but yeah, you know, as you know, on a movie set, there's all kinds of politics. Everybody wants to, you know, get a longer, more screen time and they're, they're fighting for turf and, you know, sure. like don't, don't cross the line on my sound guy or my lighting guy, but I, I've been really fortunate to have fantastic people. Uh, so anyway, it was just kind of something that I'd always wanted to do get into film. And it was, I think just the, the fact that recently, going to digital has made it all happen you, you know film days you really couldn't afford it and um and now the platforms it's fantastic that you know you i hate it that we're not getting into theaters or, or nobody's really almost getting into theaters it's just it's just tough but um on the other hand so many filmmakers are able to actually express themselves and and people get a chance to watch what they do yeah yeah alan was that kind of a you know, going from the old, you know, film cameras um, to kind of more of a digital platform. I'm sure all of the gear on set is different. The processes are different. The distribution is different. Was that kind of a lot for you or like, how did you, how did you, what, what was your mind kind of coming into it, you know, all these years later and seeing, you know, all the different changes? Well, I think, I mean, Ray made it quite easy for me. In other words, they could shoot stuff and then stop it, you know, shoot it again. So in a way, I think the process was a lot easier, you know, than, than, you know, than when we did the chainsaw. I mean, right. they, they did some takes, but it, 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 it wasn't the same, but the, 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 the thing is that, you know, when we did, I actually was driving the van and delivering my line, you know what I mean? So, right. you know, you, but you just accepted. Plus it was, it was incredibly hot. So, I mean, it was, it was an ordeal and much worse for the people that were in that house toward the end of the shoot. Right. It just got real rank, but just a little tidbit on, on cannibal comedian. When I did that spot, I was living in my kitchen because we had a, a there was like a, a ice storm. And so we had no heat. I was living in my kitchen and doing that voiceover. Right. So, so uh, but fortunately, I guess it worked for them because they were happy with it. And I'm, I'm still waiting to see the movie. I hear it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I've seen it. Um, I was fortunate enough to go out to the Marina Del Rey Film Festival here in California um, when uh -huh. Sean um, was able to debut it. So we got to um, attend the red carpet and I got, you know, some interviews with some of the actors there and uh, we got to see right. a screening of it. And he's been touring it ever since different film festivals and he's been winning a ton of awards for that movie. I've been making the joke that they need to bring a wagon with them every time they go to a, a film festival because they're just always bringing home the gold. 
Um, but they're going to be in town here um, this weekend. I have tickets to go and see it again. They'll be at the Days of the Dead Festival um, this weekend, and they're going to be um, showing that, and they're going to be showing Sean's short, uh, Thumper's Revenge, which I'm really looking forward to as well. But, um, yeah, you've we've got to find a way to get that in your hands because um, it's, it's gold. We loved it. Absolutely loved it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, and and it you know there's there's elements in there you can feel of you know chainsaw, um, house of a thousand corpses. Like there's all these like just kind of sprinkled nuggets in there. It just kind of seems familiar but fresh at the same time. It's a great flick. Well, I hope to meet you guys from out in California. Then you know it'd be great. Yeah, where 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 are you located? If you don't mind my asking, I'm in Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. Nice. So not too far from Ray, right? Well, right down the freeway. <laughs> you know, we were, I was just out in Austin, Texas last June um, with my wife. She loves San Antonio. So we, we try to go, we've been going um, the last couple of years and trying to get out there again. And so when I saw that you were in Austin, Ray, I was like, I told my wife last night, oh, Here's another reason why we should go back to Texas. Maybe we can stop in on Ray. And now that I know Alan's there, <laughs> maybe we can make it a party. Sounds great. Yeah. So, so Ray, tell me about your background with horror. You know, I was uh, kind of a 60s, 70s kid. Uh, watched a lot of Hammer films. Uh, grew up with the Twilight Zone, that sort of thing. So it's kind of more of the older horror. I mean... I, I'm one of the few people that I like the old 1950s, The Thing, as much as I like the newer one in the 80s. I, I thought they were both brilliantly done. And, and the older one, I like the dialogue. It was so snappy between all yeah. the people that are fighting this monster. Yeah. But uh, that, that that's kind of it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd seen the what were really, I think, that new wave of classics in the mid-70s, uh, Chainsaw, uh, Exorcist, you know, and, and, and I think that, to me changed a lot of things about in terms of like how freaking terrified you could be coming out <laughs> of the theater. Um, I, I felt the same way with alien. The first one, I, yes. I, I was drained when I came out of the theater. So there's that. <laughs> I have a lot of friends that are big, big horror fans. Um, but, uh, that, that was kind of my roots in horror. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Those are great. Um, you know, <clears throat> kind of ahead of their time almost. I, I say that only because they still hold up to this day, you know, yeah. to this, you know, as of now, my wife still refuses to watch um, The Exorcist because it's my dad's the same way. You know, my dad's twice her age, but still he understands, you know, how scary that movie can be. So, you know, when it's something like that or Chainsaw, you know, um, Carrie actually was one of those. I think that was more early 80s, but still kind of within yeah. that era, um, you know it was great. It was, you know, ahead of its time in the fact that it kind of lives forever in that sense. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, tell me about your process, um, with getting everything together to start doing storage locker. Sure. Uh, let me excuse Alan. I know he's got to go somewhere. Oh, okay. Uh, you Alan, want to phone? Yeah, yeah. Alan, it was such a pleasure yeah. to meet you. Uh, hopefully I see you at some point. Yeah, absolutely. If not, if anything, maybe in February when you're in town for the 50th, but uh, hopefully sometime before then. Thank you for, for attending, and it was a pleasure to meet you. My pleasure. Thanks, Ray. Take Bye. care. See you. Thanks, Alan. Bye. Oop, there we go. Anyway. <laughs> that was so awesome. That's, yeah, thank yeah, you I, for I that. That was amazing. That. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that was awesome. 
Anyway, um, um, so yeah, tell, tell tell me about how you get to like the you begin the process of putting Storage Locker together. Sure. Well, unfortunately, I, I've uh, attended the moving and uh, packing and repacking of many items in storage lockers, uh, various ones, and uh, one most of them now have the motion lights, you know, that come on. Yeah. And the idea, you know, when they cut cut off after their five or ten minute interview. Bowl. It's, it's a little spooky in there sometimes. You don't know who's in there or what's back there. And I kind of let my imagination run wild. And I thought about what could be back there. And then um, I grew up a comics kid way back then. Uh, never had a fantastic collection. But one of my best friends had the ultimate, almost near mint Spider-Man collection. He sold it a few years ago. So I, I through, through him, I really got that idea of the lust for the paper. Sure. And there's a, there's a line in there where Packer even says, I even love the smell of those I old remember. Yeah. And that was my friend. I mean, he, <laughs> he just loved it. And, and uh, but, you know, um, so it just kind of seemed like a perfect thing that, you know, maybe you might want to store them in a higher security place and all this stuff. And then uh, then all these other things came in and, and it just got, uh, you know, imagination kind of running wild. I, I could have toned the movie down to a more focal point, but I, I just wanted it to be more of a dark comedy slash horror than, than a pure horror. And I think you could take what I did and make a pure horror thing in there where it's just kill, 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 you know, as you go deeper into the locker. But um, I, I think this is what drew Alan to it. And, uh, uh, and I hope some fans will, will will really like it. There's a lot of Easter eggs or references throughout the movie, and, and movie. And I, I believe the you know you watch it a couple times, you'll really uh, you know kind of catch. Oh yeah, that that happened. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured when uh, the comic was the spider, um, it probably was a close correlation to like a Spider-Man series. Right. Yeah. Right. And we have tons of references in there. If you kind of cherry pick through there, like. When you're in the lab at toward the end, you'll notice there's a red jar and a blue jar, and they both have a spider in it. Oh, you know what? I I don't. Is that the same scene where Apollonia caught the spider on fire? Uh, yeah, they're in that one. But later on, uh, Diana takes the red jar and drops it on the floor. Oh, the that's right. Yeah, yeah, almost yeah, like she yeah. threw it on yeah. the floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I must so, have missed yeah, the blue one. There's there's all sorts of things, and of course the names you got. Packer, Parker, uh, Stan Lee, Stan Lee, you know, right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. How did you find your cast? We worked with most of these people before, have some newcomers, uh, David Trevino, who played Chaz, uh, brilliant comic timing. I, I knew him through a friend or met him through a friend. I had no idea how good he was going to be. Uh, Hannah Hufford is, uh, like in my family, she's my wife's niece's daughter, uh, just finished up with Arizona, uh, Arizona university and she's oh, in New York right now. So she has a, she's probably done more theater and programs than anything than all of us put together. So, uh, she, she plays yeah. a Packers fiance, right? Jenny, Jenny. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So all American girl, <laughs> but, uh, the, the other ones, uh, Mike Gasway has been with me, the, who played the twins, Harry and George Fisk. Uh, Mike's been with me since Writer's Block, where I met him. Uh, he'll also be in uh, Weed Hacker Massacre. Bobby Grace will be as well. She played Apollonia. Uh, right. Just an amazing actor she is. Um, uh, she's been in Fear of the Walking Dead and some other things as oh, well. Oh, that's cool. So she's uh, she, she's she's done some things. And 
just to see her work on set is just such a treat, such a treat. I, I, I noticed Mike um, kind of right away. Um, I hadn't recognized him from any other um, work, but he just kind of stood out in the movie. I think uh, playing the two different characters and then, um, you know, George is the more animated, more um, enthusiastic, you know? So like that, that personality kind of came through uh, of the movie and he just kind of stands out in that way. Mike's uh, virtually turns that volume knob to 11, the intensity of the knob <laughs> to 11 stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, another person that kind of looked familiar to me but didn't i didn't i looked into his imdb page and i didn't really recognize him from anything i he's he's got a ton of stuff on there but that's a uh, skeeta jenkins yeah his digger uh, yeah i had uh skeeta had just been introduced to me not too long ago and i just love him love him as an actor and love him as a human being uh surprisingly he too will be in weed hacker massacre nice. he'll play the sheriff and uh, he's he's just amazing. Uh, it's great screen presence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you had a lot of good um, performances from from everybody. I don't think that there was one that delivered anything. Um, I don't think anybody didn't. I don't think anybody under delivered in the movie is uh, what I'm saying. Great there call. was somebody that I wanted to ask you about, and mm-hmm. I don't remember her name. I think it's Connie. Connie Green. She plays the, Green. the witch. Yeah. 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 I, she was an interesting character in, in that one. <laughs> she, it's one of those things where you try to cast somebody where part of their part of their character is really like them in real life. And that's Connie. Yes. <laughs> uh, Connie and I actually went to high school together, but I did not know her all that well in high school. I knew, knew her. And uh, she had kind of lived in the Austin area and we'd kind of been back in touch and I just asked her, have you ever done any of this? And she had actually worked in some drama plays and things like that. And uh, when she did the table reading, uh, everybody was so totally blown away. They just thought, (laughs) oh, my God, she is the witch. Speaking of table reads, I'm, I, I know we were talking with Alan and, you, you know, um, you kind of filled in that uh, how you know him. But what what's what's the pitch like to him knowing where he comes from? Is there any intimidation there on your part? You know, um, and then like, how, how does he receive the script at first? Sure. Well, one of the things about Alan, when you meet him in California, he's he's one of the nicest people you'll ever want to meet. Honest and uh uh, open about things and so we, we really just kind of talked about the the movie and I and I said you know I asked him questions what he was comfortable with I said my guess is you probably don't want a, a ton of dialogue seen in house this is your actual first appearance in front of the camera since all that time and and, and and like I said when he when he got on set you know it's a lot going on and and he was he was just a little bit nervous but he like I said, he just snapped to like a real professional, but, but on the pitch, it was, it was, it was just, uh, that he, he just got so enthusiastic about the project. And, uh, that's why I like, and, and if you think he was enthusiastic about storage locker, you need to see him now on this weed hacker massacre. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like we talk every day and, and he wants to know, all right, what's going on with this? And, and what about that? And, you open up a can so, of worms. <laughs> yeah, but he's so excited. And again, the, the fact, like you were impressed about the fact that he's doing all this as a second career at age 81. Yeah. I, I just respect the heck out of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was impressive when I saw him 
um, in the credits for Cannibal Comedian, even though it's, you know, it's just a, a narrator's part. And then to see him in this and then the weed hacker thing is it's like, oh my gosh, like it's a total revival of a career. That's, that's amazing, you know? And I'm sure it's going to be, if not already well received because, you know, he's, he's in the origin of a franchise that is beloved by everybody. So, um, good for him. Yeah. I like that. So, um, tell, tell me how's the reception been for the movie? It just launched on Tuesday. So we're a couple days removed, but I'm curious to know how it's been going so far. Uh, it's been going pretty well. You know, I, I like always, you know, I've got some people, critics that don't like it. And, uh, I think there's been about two or three that have knocked it down. Uh, but again, I looked at, you know, who they were and stuff and I can kind of understand it. Um, you know, some, sometimes it's age, sometimes the fact that we're low budget, which we are very low budget. Uh, some cases like their special effects weren't good enough and we just didn't have a lot of money for CGI, that sort of thing. Um, the, uh, some people have been entirely thrilled about it. I've done two interviews and uh, they love the comic book aspect of it. They thought the cast was amazing and uh, they love the intensity of Avery Mayo's journey that they, they, they just said, this guy will do anything to get this atomic fiction 15. And, right. and you know, we know people that are like that. Uh, <laughs> That's true. And, and they would give up a, a beautiful fiance and a great life to just get that goal. And so that, that really helped drive it. And I, I think that some of the people really kind of understand that a little bit more, but uh, whether you're a comic fan or a horror fan, or you just like a little humor, there's, there's something in that, you know, I think for everybody, but uh, uh, overall, I, I feel like it's been really good. And we, like I said, we've had some people have gone bonkers over it. Um, just even my social media guys watched the movie in its entirety eight times in the last no way. three weeks. <laughs> he brings his son, uh, Ray, who's 14. Ray can't get enough about it. He calls me and asks me questions about, well, why did you do this? And what happened on that and everything? And so, and, and so again, you know, you kind of got those, those younger teenagers and we know they, they populate Netflix. So the fact that they're eating this up makes me feel really thrilled about it. Right now. I don't want to, that's awesome. I don't want to spoil too much because I want people to go out and watch it. And we're hoping that they go out and, and, you know, um, take it in, in some capacity, but I do have some questions about some of the scenes, just stuff I wanted to kind of pick your brain on. Um, there is a younger child in the movie, a boy, um, Mm -hmm. and it appears that he's made out of wood or is turning into wood. And I, I wanted to know more about that. Like where, why is that? Where did that come from? Um, cause I don't know that I picked it up in the movie of why this child is. I, I mean, I understand who the child is, um, sure. but I just don't understand the wood behind, um, uh, the, yeah, it, it's kind of makeup, a, if you will. it's kind of a tougher link. Cause I wasn't able to film the beginning of the film. Like I wanted to, I was going to try to film some stop motion of a Greek statue and it has to do with the myth that Apollonia talks about when you had Daphne, who was kind of like a wood goddess, and she was trying to escape the god Apollo, and she screamed to her father. This is like old Greek mythology. Mm. And in order, because he couldn't fight Apollo, who was a Greek god, he turned her into the laurel tree. 
So there was kind of that wood stuff in there. So what she does, being a very bad witch that she is in trying to do this restorative process, sure. uses the laurel tree as part of her incantations and everything. So um, as we know, uh, she's a wannabe witch, uh, good at chemistry, but not a witch. <laughs> uh, very, very good at chemistry. And uh, <laughs> the whole experiment with the boy backfires. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. Makes more sense now. I got it. Yeah. Um, I do got to say, when I'm Alan is voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> one scene made me laugh out loud, um, and that was um, the restaurant scene where the waiter came over and asked uh, Parker, Packer, and Chaz to keep it down. Right. It seems so out of place, but yet so pleasant to watch. I was wondering. Where did the idea for that come in? We originally were going to have two little girls play kind of copies of Apollonia and Diana arguing at another table, but uh, they, they that fell through. And uh, Mile, excuse me, uh, Matt Purvis is actually Shaquille O'Neal's nephew. So, oh no way! So I had it was cool. He's such a great guy, and he too will be in We. Hacker Massacre, awesome. but uh, he gets on set, and and of course I should have realized he's going to be tall. He's six seven, <sighs> so we're shooting <laughs> this cramped booth and trying to get him there. But but the way I wrote it was that I wanted it to kind of be a play on movies because you know as we kind of get into that second act, sometimes we spoil it by giving too much backstory or sure. too much this and that. So sure. there's a little satire there about our two characters always coming to this booth and kind of explaining the movie or explaining right. the stories and everything. And I kind of wanted to poke fun at that. And then <laughs> we have the two of our production assistants, uh, Tori, Tori and Charles are in the next booth. And when he talks about them going on about their backstory and being boring, they're shaking their heads. And you, <laughs> so everybody in the restaurant kind of realizes, ah, crap, this stuff goes on every day. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was funny because, uh, you know, he comes over and asks them to keep it down. And I was thinking to myself, well, they weren't being too loud, but it turns out it's just the content. It's boring. Nobody, you know, yeah. they don't care. They love to hear it, you know, because they're just invested at this point. They've heard so much of it, so they don't mind. But, you know, tone it down at the same time. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, I like I liked Chaz. I thought he was a good companion for Packer. Um, kind of uh, almost like a Laurel and Hardy kind of, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I think they complement each other. Yeah. Right. yeah it's good casting they, there. They make a lot of the mistakes that uh, when I was 20 years old and a lot of 20-year-olds make, uh, they're they're living proof of that, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, Avery Mayo was fantastic as as this guy who goes through all these uh, problems and issues and and the other person that in a lot of a lot of uh, folks have commented to us has kind of stole part of the movie was jennifer gunderson who played chaz chaz's wife wendy uh she's the one that is constantly harping on him and then she punches out the little monster when they uh get in a fight she had a little bit of a she had a different persona than the rest of the cast she did a bit snappy she did. yeah yeah <laughs> Was that based on anyone or anything or you just, you know, like not really. I, I, I think it was just something had popped in my head about a, 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 somebody that young who was trying to save their marriage, but in kind of a domineering way, just like, what can I do to snap this putz out of this life he's doing? Like, you know, like grow up, you know, right. But, right. Uh, she's, she's just a little too domineering, I guess. 
Yeah, no, it was uh, it was noticeable. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did a great job. And when you meet Jennifer, she's the sweetest, nicest person. So I don't know where she got that inner part had from. Had to dig deep. <laughs> she had it. So tell me about this hybrid chiropractor slash comic book store. Yeah. Chiropractor well, office. That, that, comic that's book the store. chiropractor who introduced me to Alan. Yeah. And, and so... <laughs> We we had tried the, what, the, ver- like, the very same that that's your mom's that's chiropractor's him. office. Okay, Doctor K. Yeah, <laughs> and so we had tried to get a couple of comic stores, and 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 I couldn't understand it why they were hesitant. You would think that, yeah, let's be in a movie. But also, sure. I understand with indie film and any kind of film, they can come in and wreck your place too. But we we finally got uh, one of them to agree, but they didn't get back to me until weeks after we shot it. So <sighs> on the fly, because it was coming up on the schedule, um, I just thought of this idea. And and again, most stores nowadays are struggling like crazy. You're you're dying for space, and if you could share the rent sure. with somebody, yeah. uh, it was just stupid and goofy enough that maybe it'll work. And uh, oh, I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Are you familiar with um, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffle House? I've heard of it. Is it? It is. Is it, now? Correct me. Is it a place or a movie? No, it's a it's a restaurant. It's a real That's life restaurant okay. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it just kind of remind me of that, like a, a mix mashing of two things that wouldn't typically go together. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, I, yeah, I kind of like the fact that Dr. K knew about comics too, and he was kind of giving pricing advice <laughs> while he's back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was all of this shot in the Austin area? It was. We did go to Bastrop, which has kind of become a, a, its own little film capital. It's a little east of Austin by about 45 minutes. And they've started building a lot of studios out there. And so we filmed the graveyard scene out there at Studio 606. I'm going to say 606, but that's not the right number. It's, mm. the, it's the number of the ranch road out there, and they call it studio like 616 or something like that but uh, they gave us the field and the grass was at the perfect height and we brought all of our prop uh, headstones and shovels and everything out there okay nice so as i mentioned earlier i saw i saw a couple of pieces of your earlier work um process was one of them which i thought was really interesting garage seemed to be really fun too i think that one was what like a two minute short yeah that's my kid and it was for uh, it was for a competition (laughs) Um, and, uh, it was, it was the famous horror maker, filmmaker that had the competition during the, uh, pandemic. So you could only shoot it on an iPhone. And I think at the time I only had an iPhone five. <laughs> so. I made a note. I made a note. Um, some of the low light scenes, cause I shoot a lot of stuff on my iPhone. So, uh-huh. um, in that short, in some of the low light scenes, I said to myself, that looks like he shot it on an iPhone just because yeah. of the way the low light is. <laughs> you nailed it. But, but, but he and I had a lot of fun. We made the props, uh, you know, the rat and the claws. And uh, yeah. I was real pleased how the uh, eye worked. Um, that was uh, an eye made out of clay. I painted it and then I coated it in Elmer's glue. It dried clear. And that's what gave it that kind of glossy nice. thing. And then the eyelid was really just kind of like a... Uh, uh, a, a piece of cardboard the eyelid was built on and we just kind of pulled it up. <laughs> <laughs> so was that your mom too? 
Uh, that's my wife, actually. So oh, yeah, I, yeah. I can tell because she has the mask Anna. on. Yeah, I know the lighting was so bad, but <laughs> she, she, yeah, but she came out and she, she said, uh, yeah, uh, there's something in my garage. You go check it out, right? <laughs> okay, so having seen those things, recognizing that with the garage, the garage came before process. I would yes, imagine. Yes, it did. Right. Okay, so shooting on an iPhone, you know, kind of working out the kinks. Moving over to process where you're on a set, you have integrated sound, looks like you're working with better equipment, moving to a feature length. What's that? I mean, you're, you, the, I think if I'm not mistaken, you edited storage locker. That's right. Okay. So is there like a steep learning curve there going from, you know, shooting something on your iPhone to working, you know, on sets and with cast and scripts and, you know, I would imagine um, beefier equipment and having to edit all this stuff. And I'm just kind of curious what the learning well, curve well, is there. Well, I was lucky in that, that I did kind of actually start with documentaries, you know, doing my own filming and everything. And then uh, we, we did the feature writer's block where we got hammered. I mean, you know, it was, it was like the, 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 the crew and a couple cast members, you know, it just got out of control and we didn't know what we were doing. So like when I told you earlier, that was my film school. Uh, you also got some emotional distress to go with that, you know, but, <laughs> but, but the fact, you know, that it came out to be a, a fairly good film and, and we were able to sell it was, was just amazing. You know, we're at the top of the world. Uh, and then I kind of went into the period with COVID and all that stuff where it was yeah. more just trying to, you know, just keep, keep going, keep doing it and things. What are the things I could do myself? And I, I think that did spill into storage locker and I will be the first to admit, I, I took on too many hats. Um, I really got kind of burned out at the end. And uh, the, the thing I'd like to tell everybody that got me the most out of all this was when we had sold the film and going through quality control, quality control broke me. <laughs> so. Uh, Can you but, define that for us a little bit? Well, it's when you have sold the film to distribution and you give them a print of the film. And now they're going through and checking every frame, every bit of sound and everything to see if it meets the criteria. Uh, so just for example, when you do a trailer for a feature like this, it, it really has to be rated G uh, for all audiences, no matter where they show it. So okay, you can't have any blood in it. So you've seen our trailer and... Uh, you can imagine how tough it is to take the blood out of there. Uh, yeah. Even got in a second at it where I couldn't actually show the box cutter or a swish of the box cutter cutting the knee. I had to leave right. it, black it out and leave it to the imagination. So, you yeah. know, when you kind of go back and back and you pick your film uh, over time and time again, it, it's mentally very tough. So moving from storage locker to weed hacker, what are you doing different did you yeah did you, I, I, was there anything that my assistant director jody stelzik who's also stunt man and is just a fantastic guy is going to actually do the directing oh, so okay. he'll, he'll be able to take that you know 18 20 days and and be on the set you know 12 14 16 hours whatever i'm just going to monitor it and everything but uh, I'm, I'm doing the writing of the script i'm producing you know lining up locations actors and casting all that stuff and then i'll come back at the end and you know do the editing and finish the post-production but i think just getting that break in the middle and having other sets of eyes on how we're doing this sure. it's going to be fantastic i'm really looking forward to it is this your full-time gig now it is. I, I'm actually retired. I, I used to, like I said, work for uh, some, for uh, 
uh, you know, at the, at the legislature for the yeah, you meant I just so, wasn't sure if that was still active. Yeah, or, so or... yeah, I, I quit. I quit in February of 2020, right when the pandemic started. And everybody that I knew back there think that I'm the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> you know, some of the rest of us didn't. Well, it was rare. Like now, I enjoy Zoom calls. They hate them. <laughs> <laughs> You know, what's funny is we were, my wife and I were in San Antonio in February of 2020, because I remember being at our hotel and then, you know, kind of hearing some of the news coming from China and then yeah. we came back and then it just kind of was full fledged. So yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it was scary. We went to New York in that first week in March just because we had tickets to go see Stephen Colbert. And oh, nice. It was great. And at that time, they really hadn't supposedly come over to the United States. I don't think we had gotten word of the nursing home out in the West Coast. But right when we got there, uh, the first attorney had, they said he had infected 44 people. Oh. And it was that fast. And so we, we just got on the plane back home right at the right time. Ugh. Yeah. I know. Cutting it close. Yeah. So um, did I, am I... Correct. I saw that Storage Locker had won an award. Yeah, uh, we we won some lower level. Well, I'll say the lower level. I mean, we obviously didn't win Sundance or anything, but we didn't <laughs> apply either. But but the strategy, yeah, we we won some some festivals. Uh, uh, the Hollywood Blood Film Festival awards cool. program. Uh, Hannah won best debut actress in a nice. New York award. Um, um, I'm, God, I'm sorry, I'm blanking out on all the ones we did. No. Oh, Houston has a World Fest. Uh, we were official selection for that. Nice. Um, so, so you know, it was good. I didn't really try to to hit the awards circuit like Cannibal is. They're doing sure. a fantastic job. Uh, they're just cleaning um, up. I wanted yeah. to sell this. That was the main thing. I just wanted to move on, and and we were real lucky. I want to uh, give a shout out to my agent, Glenn, Glenn Reynolds. Uh, with Circus Roads, he's just an amazing guy. Um, but uh, yeah, that was the main thing. I, I just, I, I didn't, and it worked out great too because I, I don't think I had the energy to like hop on a plane and go everywhere. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I admire those guys that do that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so what are you wanting for Storage Locker? I think where it is is fine. I just want it distributed for people to see it. And as you know, in this kind of distribution process you're kind of spending the first 90 days in rentals. Uh, and, and, and I got to say freestyle did a great, great job of getting us on all these platforms. Uh, some yeah. of them I, I didn't even know existed. I was surprised to see the, when I saw the list, I was like, that's quite a bit. Yeah. It's as many more platforms than the first feature I did writer's block. And, um, then during this time, they're trying to get us to deal with, uh, somebody, uh, on subscription, uh, video on demand, uh, Netflix, Hulu, whatever. So we'll kind of wait and see what happens with that. That's but, super cool. Um, yeah, it's really, really great of them. They've been so perfect. what What can you tell us about Weed Hacker, if anything? Because I know that's the next coming project. Yeah, it's, it's really Alan's concept. He had floated it to me, I would say, within the last year. And the way he was talking about it, he was going to go talk to the Chainsaw guys about it. Oh, and, that's cool. And, and so um, I told him, I think it's going to be hard because I, I think the guys, you know, who are with the original chainsaw that may or may not have ownership. I, I would suspect they've sold it to a mm. bigger studio. And I found out it was legendary that owns it. Ah, now, got it. Lionsgate owned it before them. But um, 
so I said, you know, with your idea, you don't have to do the chainsaw thing. Yeah, and this, this, because when you're in the genre of somebody with a mask and a weapon, it's been done so many times. <laughs> yeah, it, sure. it has. And, and, and his idea was, was quite comedic. And so the idea is that uh, a guy who's, uh, where it is now, a guy who's got a station wagon that he thinks is the coolest station wagon in the world is being asked to drive these 13 beautiful college co-eds to a music festival. Okay. And it turns out the music festival is a little bit like the old fire festival. It's a fraud. So when, <laughs> gotcha. So when they get there, there's nobody there. The site's been gone, uh, uh, vacated, and uh, they have ripped the town off. And the town's yeah. not too happy. So we, we do have uh, a, a gentleman in a, a mask that's covered with playing cards. I think you've seen it on the site. Mm -hmm. And he has an unusual weapon by which he dispatches people. And it is a weed hacker. <laughs> Looks like uh, three sickles attached to the end of a weed eater. Right, right, right. And, uh, so it, it kind of goes from there. And 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 most of the script is, is all the script's outlined. Most of it's written. And, and uh we, you know, we had some input and everything and, and, and just kind of telling people the idea. I mean, I've had, you know, if I could get more into it, which I can't right now, uh, just bust on for laughing when I kind of was expecting a giggle or something, but they, they just love the idea. And, and, and I think just having Alan enjoy this process and being part of it on, sure. on the production end as well. I, I, I just love seeing him so happy about it. Nice. That's awesome. So, um, what can you what words of advice do you have for any aspiring filmmakers, you know, horror fans that are just trying to, you know, create some content and kind of put it out there? Sure. Wow. That's a good one. Good question. <laughs> one thing I learned from listening to Barry Sonnenfeld's biography, you know, he's the one that worked with the Coen brothers uh, on raising Arizona and their first film, uh, um, uh, blood simple. Uh, Barry said that the Coen brothers like to start shooting on a Thursday because if anybody didn't work out, they could fire them on Friday and they'd have on the weekend to hire somebody else. <laughs> I thought that should be in every book, but, but, but it just takes a lot of patience and you just can't let the little things on set get to you. The more you can pre-plan, which is hard because you don't have the money to pre-plan or the time usually. But the more you can pre-plan, the easier it'll be. And just try to surround yourself with people that don't wear stress on their sleeve every moment. You know, that, that, that they're, there, they're there to do their job, be professional. But, you know, if they can have a good time, that just makes everything so much better. Yeah. Nice. Okay, I got two questions for you left um, before I let right. you go. And we always, we always ask our guests. So, sure. um Question number one, what was your introduction to horror? I know you mentioned some of the older uh, movies. You mentioned the original thing, but what was your, what was your first experience with horror? I can tell you that um, being scared, I think I saw a rerun of the day the earth stood still, the black and white one. And the fact that this saucer was landing on a playground and little kids were running. I was like, oh my God, kids are... That could easily be me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I just got asked this unusual question the other day by uh, a, a magazine about 
uh, a horror experience that really stayed with you. And, and I happened to rewatch it the other night, but Vincent Price and Christopher Lee made a movie back in 69. And I think I saw it years later on a military base when they were replaying it. it, it it's called Edgar Allan Poe's The Oblong Box. But okay. it doesn't, very few people know about it, but it doesn't have a lot to do with Edgar Allan Poe. Po. They just kind of assembled some stories. And and we had just gone to the theater and bought a bunch of Whoppers, you know, the malt, malted sure, milk. Sure. And we're gobbling them down like crazy. And we get in there and the first scene is a, co a colonist in Africa getting his hands crucified, hammered into the wall. Oh. And, and granted, the the blood was like as red as you could see it. It was such fake blood. But back then, <laughs> that was, you know, and so we're trying to hold our whoppers in as we watch the rest of this movie. And, and the movie, it didn't get good reviews, but it's got the elements for a great remake. I shouldn't be telling people this, but you have people that were buried alive. And then... Uh, uh, there was a curse by witch doctor in there which you your skin started to deteriorate. I'm thinking like, why isn't somebody making this? <laughs> you know, um, we are um, a, a horror, we're horror fans first and foremost here on the, the Mutant City Horror Podcast, but we like to kind of watch the ones that no one really knows of or the ones that don't get a lot of love or attention. And um, there are a lot of movies that we've seen over our last two seasons where you can easily remake these movies today and they would just be a hit. I mean, yep. they're so good in their own, in their own right, but uh, you know, if, and I'm not a fan of remakes or reboots. I, you know, when things are nice and when things are great, you know, just let it be right. That's why it's great is because people love the original thing. Um, but you know, sometimes if you can do it, great, then okay. But in my experience, it's not really always been the case. But there's a lot of these movies that we watch here on this show that can be uh, remade um, really well. So You got it. Yeah. I agree. Okay, next question. Um, what is your favorite horror movie? Gosh, there's so many that have come out uh, that that are really enjoyed. Uh, you know, kind of, I hate to give you the standard answer, Chainsaw, uh, but it's always <laughs> stayed with me. Um, you know, you know, I thought that the remakes they've done of the Japanese movies, like the thing, uh, the Ring, I, yeah. I thought that was that was pretty effective. Um, uh, you know, I, I really like uh, the Thing from from the eighties as, as well as the other <sighs> one too. So good, yeah, it really is. And and again, it was that that suspense of who 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 has it next you know it kind of has that old 1950s communism thing about it, like who's the communist you know but <laughs> yeah. but uh but th th that that alone was just such a powerful part of the movie even despite the special effects which were fantastic for their time right but but yeah you're right that's a classic oh yeah yeah one and of my poster. favorites for sure is that like the best poster ever oh 100 you know? yeah we went to an event uh last summer and there was somebody, you know, they do a lot of cosplay at these events. And this guy was walking around, um, dressed up, um, you know, in full garb. And then the dog, he had a dog with him and the dog had all, you know, the tentacles coming out of it. And it was so cool. Let's oh, see if I can post cool. a picture of it. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, when you said that, it reminded me somebody could go with the parka and then have the flash just coming out of their head. Yeah, that's true too. That's I'm, giving you, I'm giving you gold here. <laughs> well, Ray, is there anything else? Um, you know, I want to give you an opportunity. You know, I know you've been promoting um, all the different outlets in which people can find the movie, but if you want to, you know, kind of tell us here and now where some of the main um, streaming sources we can find 
the movie. And is there any merch available for the movie? There really isn't. I, I've been shocked that a lot of people I know have bought the DVD and they're amazed to see something physical with my name on the cover. There's a lot of people who love the physical media. Still, yeah, yes. they, they want to own it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we don't really have any merch uh, for it. We will for Weed Hacker. So Great. get ready because Alan's okay. a marketing genius. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, but uh no, you know, I, I I just hope everybody will give it a chance to take a look at it. And I, I have a feeling once we get on Netflix or something like that, and you can watch it over and over again, people will, there'll be comic fans that will be watching for these references in there. Uh, one thing you probably want, I, I think you probably have seen the little clip uh, where we make a joke about this woman over in the crowd who's insane, and she thinks she's the logo for Columbia Pictures. Oh, that's right. That is actually Jennifer Joseph who at age 28 was the model for the Columbia Pictures logo. Oh. And so it's kind of funny. And, and we had her just kind of like in, in as she's talking to, actually that's her daughter, she's talking to just kind of point up to the ceiling and she's got the white dress <laughs> with the purple sash and everything. So, you know, there's little things like that that, you know, we, we try to give people some great little cameos in. I had saw that she was credited as playing herself on the IMDb page, but I just, I didn't put the, I didn't put it together. I didn't know yeah, who she it, was. It's it's something, but we probably should have explained a little bit more. Like maybe flash, this is really true or something. But, well, <laughs> but I think now let people figure it out for themselves. That's it's right, fun. That's right. Yeah. So where, so where can we find the movie? We can find it on Amazon, uh, AT and T, YouTube. Uh, the list is quite endless. So uh, Spectrum. So Apple, just uh, just Apple Plus stick, was on there, I think too. Yeah, right? Apple Plus, you're right. You're right. Yep. Uh, so it's 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 almost everywhere just google yeah. it and there's a big chart yeah i bought my copy from uh from amazon yeah okay great yeah fantastic we'll get alan to sign it for you when you see him. well that's why i was asking about uh well i got the digital version um but that's why i was asking about the merch because if you have at least a poster or something i'd yeah. love to buy one and then that way if, when i meet alan we, in February, we have a poster uh, we do have a poster i forgot about that so we'll have uh, alan bring one to you and oh, sign it for you. And uh, on WeHacker to get going with the Kickstarter, we have a, a, a art lithograph that's limited to 500 copies that uh, I designed it. Alan's going to sign it. And oh, I nice. think it'll be a hell of a collectible. So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get you one of those too. Okay. Yeah. Well, when I put this out, you know, I'll make sure to link the Kickstarter and uh, um, just kind of advertise the streaming platforms and okay. help get yeah, it out there. We won't have the Kickstarter ready till about November because we, we want to shoot a trailer okay. first. And we were just out today looking for locations. Uh, we're actually going to crash a vehicle in Weed Hacker. And nice. people are lining up just to be there that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know, I've always told other directors that we've met with, if ever there's an opportunity for me to just come be a fly on the wall, I would love it. I've never been on set before, so... That I can imagine that that'd be an oh, experience. You come to Austin, you're there. We'll we'll even feed you and take you to a nice restaurant. So yeah, yeah, I love Austin. Austin's so much fun. So uh, yeah, right. I I might take you up on it. <laughs> we hope you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Ray. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure meeting you. Um, congratulations with the movie. It's fantastic. And wishing you all the you know the the success that that's going to come with it, and we're looking forward to all your new titles and all your new projects. And uh, you know, hopefully, this isn't the last time we talk, but we'll definitely, definitely. continue. Definitely to... not. We we will uh, give you an exclusive uh, as we're filming Weed Hacker. How about that? Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, we'll do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that'd okay. be great. All right, Ray. Have a great rest of your night. You we'll too, talk Paul, soon. Thanks for everything. Really, appreciate yeah, pleasure it. meeting you. Bye bye. Yeah, bye bye.